Welcome to Level Up with Adrian Cruz. Welcome back, guys, to the Level Up show. I'm your host, Adrian Cruz, and today I am joined by the one and only, the Black Swan, <laughs> Benjamin Dinkins. How are you doing today, brother? I'm good, brother. How you doing? It's good to see you, brother. Life is good, man. Yeah. It really is. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I know we were working on this for, we were working on this for a while, actually. Yeah, how long has it been? I've known you for a little bit, actually. You know me for a bit now. I probably just saw it in two years. Because, um, shoot, we just moved to Colorado about three years ago ourselves. Um, outside of that, when you started the podcast, I thought it was great. I was like, it's a good idea for you, especially being real estate. Um, but we've been going back and forth a bit, man. And I don't do podcasts and interviews. Um, have you ever been on a podcast before? Um, yes, I have. Um, it's been some years now though, but my wife and I just had some conversations and because of the companies and the areas that we work in and the people that we work in, um, specifically if it's private equity or capital or even some of the energy companies now, and just because the size of them. We enjoy our um, our privacy now as a family. Mm. <laughs> um, I do want to know, the Black Swan, how did you come up with that? Why do they call you the Black Swan? You know, it's funny, man. It goes back probably back to 2015. Um, one of my partners, we had a marketing company uh, we were partnered in, man. We were doing like all that early stuff with all the Facebook ads and <laughs> um, the Instagram marketing. We had so many funnels we were doing for people. We also actually, a lot of people don't know this, we were running the marketing for like Russell, those guys for like click funnels and stuff too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, my partner, Zach, I loved him, man. He's the one that actually pulled me into that space. We would go and buy all these social media accounts and change the names. And during that time, what a lot of people didn't know is where there was a highlighted name on Instagram. Um, that was actually a spot where, you know, like, you could think of it as in like a, a Google ad space, whatever it is, right? So like keywords. So when you would type stuff in and search back then and Instagram is probably the same. Those are the profiles that would pop up. We would have like the large, we had the largest makeup accounts. We had the largest random stuff like mountain biking accounts. But what happens is people would pay you for slots to get on those pages. We would buy those pages. We would sell them. Mm. We would try to come up with cool usernames. And during that time, um, one of the accounts that I got, we were just coming up with names. And I put like the black swan on like one of them, right? Kept that one for myself, was gonna sell it, was gonna do some other stuff with it. Cause it had my name at the top and then it had like the black swan in it. Because I remember reading about like what I, like people didn't know that black swans were real, um, but they're an actual animal. And when it comes down to events, it's something that over time, even in like the financial system, it's something that comes once in a lifetime for a certain amount of people. And some of my friends just started calling me swan and since the black swan was on there, it just stuck. And some of my friends just started calling me that. So I kept the page that my partner gave to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Yep. Um, well, I do want to know a little bit about your background because, bro, when I had first met you, I had no idea what you did for a living. Yeah. Like, but I knew, like, you were very well connected, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, do you mind telling the audience, like, what do you do for a living? Where are you from? Like, yeah. All the, all the good things. Man. Absolutely. I don't mind digging into that, man. You know, my story is a little bit different from most. Um, I grew up in Miami. Um, I spent most of my life there. A lot of my family was either in real estate or sports or didn't have money at all. Mm -hmm. I was kind of a blend between some of that because my mom always, you know, my parents split when I was younger. 
Um, you know, so I didn't know a difference between a divorce and like a married couple. That was just like my upbringing. So it didn't really affect me very much. At least I say that then, but as an adult, it kind of helped shape my mindset and kind of how I think about what a real relationship is. Um, and so outside of that, my mom would always send us off to perform an art school. And so I always played violin and cello. So it would take me out of the neighborhoods that I was in. Mm -hmm. I would try out to get into the better school district in that school. And that sent me to like the better schools. And so I was growing up, you know, with rats and roaches in some of our, you know, apartments or some of my homes. It's funny now, but then it's like, it's crazy, but that was just a way of living. Mm -hmm. It was just these large contrasts. But for me during that period of time, I think it did shape up like quite a bit of like my foundation. And so really outside of that, going to those schools, like really opened up my exposure because like in our home, it was hopefully we can get these bills paid. But I have friends at these schools that I was going to that their parents were living amazing lives. Like we didn't go on vacations, you know, um, but they weren't even called vacations. My friends, they called them. We're going on a holiday. And I'm like, <laughs> what's a holiday? Yeah. You know, they would go to France. They would go to like just these far outreach places in the world and I see them when we came back off of spring break and stuff like that. And I'm like, I was just shooting hoops, you know, and going yeah. to sleep with gunshots sometimes, yeah. you know? So growing up in that, I was grateful. I had an uncle and, you know, it's funny, but I'm almost like the runt of the family because I'm only six one, but everybody else is like on my dad's side, six four, six seven, six eight, you know, and played in, in different leagues. But I was grateful enough because I did have an athletic bone. And so kind of fast forward through like a lot of that um, during high school, man, that's where I excelled at. I played basketball, football, baseball track, and I was a musician. And so outside of winning, you know, state championships, went to one of the top schools for sports in Florida, specifically basketball. We even had a closed practice um, with Kobe Bryant when I was in school. Nike came in, closed the gym. It was just us and, you know, Kobe Bryant and like two or three other Nike officials, you know, in our closed gym. We got to design like that shoe that everybody wears now of his. We designed like some of those original shoes for ourselves. I still have a pair. Wow. Um, so I was exposed to like greatness, even though I was growing up in like a interesting spot, man. I appreciate my uncle because a lot of people don't know this because he played in the NBA as well. And he wrote me these letters and we also sent me like his basketball cars, but he never gave me a dime. I appreciate him for that because I got a chance to see him build a real estate business as an investor. I also saw how he raised his family, but he was hard and I appreciate that because I took that. And so from high school, when I played ball at Iowa State University, I was always an entrepreneur though. Even when I was in college, like I had a crazy schedule playing in division one sports, but I was the president of like American Fishery Society still. I still traveled like with my friends on road trips and I was blessed enough outside of that to go to Victoria University and North Island, New Zealand, actually, too, to study like industry and like agriculture. And so that's what I majored in in college, but I was a dropout. So college was great. I was prone to injuries. So right around like my red shirt, sophomore, junior year, um, I was finally healthy and looking forward to actually playing too, man. And it just, I fell out of love with the game. Um, sports is great, don't get me wrong, but I had started some companies during that time. And I never forget like walking into the office and going like, I'm essentially done. Yeah. You know, I started a consulting company during that time. And um, then it was like kind of off to the races. So what was the first thing you did like after college? Like you said you built a couple of companies. What kind of companies? Yeah, actually. So it was a multitude of things, man. Like I started consulting. Um, I actually got into agriculture, even network marketing. 
um, even earlier on. That lasted for a couple of years for me. That got me into like some agricultural products I had access to, did well in that. Over a period of time I made, that was like my first quote unquote six figures. You know, everybody wants to get six figures, but then you figure out it's not a lot of money yeah. um, in relative like terms. But my biggest thing was my mom taught me this was like, you know, networking is very important. And I learned that from earlier on. So that's all I did throughout college. It was look nice in the clothes you wear, how you present yourself, be nice to people and meet a lot of them. And if there was an extra rule to that, she was really big on don't let anybody play with your money. Um, and you can take that however you wanna take it essentially mm -hmm. in the business space. And so for me, um, what went well was the agriculture side and networking. I remember making a phone call because um, one of the women that actually was a cheerleader at the school at the time, she's a really good friend of mine, Bailey. Her father was, um, I think he's a CFO during that time, but he became the CEO of Nationwide. And so most people know those big companies like that, like the insurance companies, it's like a quote unquote insurance company, right? That's a bank. Um, oh. I was blessed enough to sit behind the scenes and they created like a position for me. Um, they got me into like the agriculture department and I got a chance to see what they were doing here in like North America. That was my chance of getting seen like a little bit of like maybe what investments is. And obviously I've been like a student of the game. So during that period of time too, while I was building companies, um, in the background of that, what happened was I got a chance to see like what big companies do, what conglomerates do. And I was like, man, I'm thinking too small. Mm. I was blessed enough to get around people that, you know, bought the NBA team or bought the NFL team instead of just being like the player on it. Because I was network. I had guys that played in MLB, NFL, NBA, et cetera. They would come to me for like financial advice, like over time. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm like kind of onto something here because they saw me always building something outside of whatever I was doing. I've only worked for some of them. Longest time I ever worked for someone was maybe like 11 months. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That's over a decade ago. Okay. And then so when you just started an investment company or how did this So it was kind of a blend actually, man, because during that period of time, because of networking actually, so the agriculture company was doing fine. I was creating transactions in that. But in the background, I actually met one of my partners today. And this is why I say, man, like you, somebody was definitely praying for me. I was in the middle of Iowa. So I remember coming back from Miami because this is right after telling my dad, like, um, you know, I'm not, you know, going to even have my pro day. NFL is not for me. Um, and I remember coming back. I was working in a Starbucks, Des Moines, Iowa. This guy drives up in a big Audi, um, walks in, you know, we kind of do the head nod because he's a black guy too. Yeah. And so we're in the middle of Iowa. So it was like, <laughs> there's only two of us in here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was it was funny, man, but that's crazy because that was over a decade ago. And Joshua was a developer because he came into the United States actually, I think it was through like a NASA program. Okay. When he's like 16, he, he knew like five languages, none of them were English. Mm. And so during that period of time, he was doing like a lot of software work for a lot of companies that are fortune, I'll say fortune 50 companies. I'm not allowed to name on camera, off camera, we could talk about that. But he told me, he's like, look, Benjamin, software and also technology is where the world is going. And he's just like, I'm really good at this, but I need somebody to handle the human side of the business. If we're going to scale up to anything. And we created a partnership, man. And after that, like I will handle like negotiating deals, getting us into doing like software work for financial companies, mm -hmm. um, for big agriculture companies. We were big into AI. That's over a decade ago. And now people talk about it, right? Like right. seed counting and RFID and tracking technology. Like we have some big contracts in the world um, that are still existing right now that can kind of pay us in the background. And we just take a fee off of some of the software and work that we were do for people. We open up office in Beijing. Mm -hmm. We open up an office in West Africa and we have an office in Kansas. Now, here's a kicker to that. Well, all that was going on, we weren't taking salaries from the company. And so during that period of time, since a lot of people would call me like, hey, I either need to raise capital, Benjamin, or 
Um, can you maybe put together like this introduction for me or whatever? And I would, I would just take a fee for it. Right. You know, they're like, hey, if this person, you, I connected to this guy, he finds out or invests to your company or two or three million bucks, like give me, you know, two or 3% off of that. And you figure out over a period of time, you can stack that up. That's Crazy. like good money, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was doing that for a bit, kind of in the background while like Godeon, you know, was kind of like building as a company. And then outside of that, man, this is where things get kind of like interesting because as that's going on, like I started figuring out that I was good with calendar management. I, I was never good at just like doing just one thing, you know, mm -hmm. that's what they teach you in college. Right. So, but for me, like the technology company was running in the background. I was still, you know, putting together capital for companies. I'll either take a percentage of the company or a percentage of the company and a piece of the capital that I brought in for them. Hey, you need an introduction to like some type of leadership or, you know, some key executives, whatever it is. I have like that that Rolodex for it. And so I can make those phone calls for people. That adds a lot of value to the company over a period of time. I had an opportunity of helping companies go public. I've had an opportunity of stepping on and, you know, creating more revenue if it's sales or connections, whatever it is, right? And so I started to, you know, get into a couple of different, you know, networks and I started getting invited to these conferences. Um, right before that, you know, I had met a guy named Zach and that's the marketing company I was talking about a little bit because all this was happening during like this time. I'll never forget, um, I had met Zach and, you know, Real cool dude, man, because he was doing the marketing stuff way before, you know, I was obviously because he brought me into it. But this was before like all that like influence of marketing and all that stuff was cool. He was doing that traveling around the world like for free with an agency attached to it. And so I remember meeting Zach during this period of time. And, you know, he started inviting me to these conferences and I'm getting in a room with the Grant Cardones of the world and like the right. Tony Robbins of the world. And then I started speaking on the stages with them. Um, and so that went on for a bit, man. And one thing that Josh and I figured out while this was going in the background, because once again, we still weren't taking salaries for the company. We we're investing everything back in. Mm -hmm. the company was doing millions. We weren't keeping any of it, put that money back in for scale. And one thing that I saw was when you get around these guys, man, is that the world thinks so differently than like high-end entrepreneurs. When you start hanging around billionaires or, or like real nine-figure earners, not just valuations, real nine figure earners that they can show you different accounts of theirs that have nine figures in them. Mm. Their thought process is so different. And I'm yeah, so how do they, that. how do they think like, cause I'm, I mean, I've never really been around nine figure people. Like what's the difference between them and your average person? It's a really good question. Um, average in that is two total different things. Um, I'll kind of break it down into the three things. The average person today, and there's nothing wrong with this. I, at least I don't think the average person today just wants a, some type of life that they can have organized or some type of life that does well for them. Mm. Like there's nothing wrong with being an employee. I'll tell people that because not everybody's supposed to be an entrepreneur. Right. Ab like yep. absolutely not. Yeah. And then not everybody. like the second tier of it are the ones that they want to do more of those entrepreneurs that they want to do more, but then they hit a point, they go, this is good enough for me. Like a lot of goals for people is like, they want to make like the first million in the business. Right. And then you do that and you go, Whoa, that's not, as out of money I thought it would be, right? Yeah. I was one of them too. You never forget, like you build a business and you do over a million bucks and you go, I thought this would be different. Um, your expenses change. If you want to scale, that changes as well. So you can make a million bucks and still be cash poor. Facts. It's the same thing for the billionaire side of it as well too. And so in, in regards to those nine figure earners and like the billionaires that are my circle that I have the privy of working with, it's a different animal on how they think in regards to what do they want to do on a daily basis. Mm. It's the, this is all I do for a period of time. You have some individuals that either want to go sell that company or they might want to keep it. There's really no like blend of that too. 
or they want to put together some type of generational wealth behind that. But there's no like crossing of hairs in like those spaces. There are very clear differences because it's a lifestyle choice. You don't manage a nine figure or 10 figure business and just like every day is without issues. It doesn't happen that way. You have to learn how to deal with problems or issues or whatever that is on a daily basis. And that kind of walks me into a little bit like when I met Zach. Zach was one of the first guys that taught me, no, ask a question and you can do more. Like he was great at sales. He taught me that. He was like, the reason why I'm great in some of those spaces because he's a guy that will ask the question and don't say anything. Mm. And we'd be in rooms negotiating stuff and I'm like, are you, are you gonna say something, man? Uh, yeah. But we get that deal. Yep. I blended that over into my space. And so during that window, man, this is kind of the kicker for me while I tell people networking is important. I saw a guy, I can't mention the name, but I saw him on Bloomberg a lot. I did a cold reach out to him. We ended up building a great relationship. He's a guy that, you know, if you watch like the big short, a lot of people in the trading space might know that or money space or whatever it is, manages a family office. He was with some of the biggest banks in the world, managed some huge families a lot of people would know about. I called our reach. I was like, I want to see if there's a chance I can work with this guy, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm in America, he's in, you know, Europe, whatever it is. Um, but kind of condensing the story to that was, we ended up building an amazing relationship. I introduced him to some billionaire clients of mine. We went to California, hey, here's some of the families I know I work with. This is the type of deal flow that I particularly get mm -hmm. because it worked out well for me because during this period of time, Cody on still growing as a company on the tech side, we decided that we wanted to get into energy. We started investing into energy business. I got out of the marketing company years ago. I was still obviously raising capital and working with companies and taking a percentage and helping them scale. And what happens is I meet this guy and get into the family office and I get into like the, the merchant bank and got into the investment banking space, right? And yeah. it's been such a blessing because it, it adds such a value to me, but it's also, I get a chance to add value to like that particular company. Yep. And so I'm here in North America. So for us, I work with like a lot of families that, you know, they go, hey, look, these are the assets that we want to invest into Benjamin. Outside of that, for example, I get a chance to work with them on like a daily, weekly, monthly basis on what do they want to do like for the next 20 years? Because when you get into that space, it's not just about a transaction. If somebody's going to write you a $25 million check and it's going to be, you know, invested into something, you better have a good relationship with them. <laughs> yeah, really. You see what I'm saying? And so I've been blessed enough to step into that space, man. So I touch like a lot of deal flow. I touch oil, I touch gas, I touch real estate, I touch different type of tech deals. I'm blessed enough to uh work with you know key families a lot of people know or you know that are you know public today and like the public markets and um it's fun you know it's one of those things where my days are different every day and i get to scale companies i don't work with a lot of startup companies mm -hmm. anymore mm -hmm. it's mainly you know b and c stage companies that are either ready to sell or bring on capital to take things to the next level yeah what would you i guess what would you call that career that that what you're doing right now what is that field like are you like an invest like a most people will planner? call it no definitely not a financial planner what i do not manage finances most people call it like an investment banker an investment banker okay because mm -hmm. i'm like sh i told you last night i'm like bro like i don't even know what you do all yeah. i do is like flip my little houses and you <laughs> i don't even know what you're doing investment banking is awesome man because it's broad mm. i love that is because tomorrow it's hey benjamin i'm gonna be in new york on wednesday can you come in sure i'll go fly and meet with the guy mm. hey these are the assets we want to go after this year Sure, you know, let me kind of hit the phones and let me see some of my guys or see what we have, what are the mandates, right? And so it just really like all depends. That's why I love it though. It's because people call me because they either want to invest, they want to sell, or, you know, it's an opportunity that we can do a fun with each other. We can invest with each other. So your job really is to network. That's your job now, pretty much. Right? I network. Yep. That's it. 
and I've done that for years, but it's uh, different than when I was in my 20s. I'll tell you a story. Um, a lot of <laughs> you don't know this, um, and my wife knows that I'm working on the book right now, and this is something I'm definitely going to put it put in and after because there's a couple of different things that need to get done before I'm able to like deploy and talk about that. But so before I had any money or even when certain companies were moving X amount of cash, right? I was a big excuse remover. I just couldn't stand excuses. So for example, um, I never forget hearing about, you know, Jesse Yitzer and the guys and um, this is before I got a chance to get in like some of those circles. And so in regards to like Jesse, you know, a tremendous story, but one thing I learned from him was I never forget that he would go to these conferences and he would buy coffee and muffins in a couple of different areas. Right. And while the conference was going on, he was set up in a particular spot to network with the people. I took that same model. I didn't have enough money to stay at those hotels or pay $5,000 for that ticket to get into the conference. And so I know these conferences were going on. What I did was I could spend $150 on a plane ticket, sit at the back of the plane mm. and I sleep in my Jeep. <laughs> but what happens is, I always looked nice, whatever. So when mm -hmm. someone would ask me, I would go to the coffee shop or go to the bar, or whatever it is, those conferences were happening to network when I didn't have anything. Right. They would ask me, hey, are you at this conference? I would say, I am at this conference. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to this conference. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I did that for like a couple years, but I built these ridiculous relationships. I started negotiating deals and doing deals with some of these families and individuals, made some good money, right? Mm -hmm. And I tell that story is because most people be like, well, I don't have it, or it's a sense of like discomfort. There's going to be times of discomfort, man. Um, you either press into it or you don't. I think that goes back to the difference, what yeah. you asked me on the guys that really want to build a nine or 10 figure plus business and those that I go, nope, I'm okay with kind of staying in this spot. Yeah. Just for context and for the audience, like who have you built relationships with? Yeah. What are some of the big names just so they know, like, who is this guy and who, who, who are these people? Like, right. Because it is, it's the private space and it's the private space for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, lot of people yeah. don't know what a hedge fund is. Yeah. They don't know what investment banking is. Right. They don't know what merchant banking is. No, really? They turn on Bloomberg and they're like, what do all what these people it? do? Exactly. So. Uh, Just name some of the relationships that you have now. Like, been doing this for over the past decade. Yeah, man. So it's a blend. I'm okay with like talking about some of this stuff, for example. Um, I can talk about, you know, certain companies that are even going public like right now. So one of my guys, um, I'll talk about Mark P. So Mark P is awesome. And if you go look this up, that's okay. So if you go look up like Buttonwood funds and kind of, you know, some of their other entities, some of this stuff is public already. They've worked with the, the Facebooks of the world and they are part of putting together like some of these IPOs or investing into like some of these companies. Um, there's the names of like, say, for example, I never forget the first time like I met like Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone and I don't have like a personal relationship. He's not my buddy, but it's cool to have the opportunity where it's like I never forget because a lot of people like in the social space, for example, those are people in real estate would know that name. Mm, yep. Um, I met Grant over probably seven years ago in a green room because mm. um, we both were speaking in uh, we were in Vegas. Actually, we both were speaking in Vegas. It was I his I forget his pilot. No, his pilot's name is Ryan. Ryan Seiko. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah, it was Ryan was there. It was Grant. Um, Elena was there, too. And it was just Zach. Mm. It was just us like in a back room. And over a period of time, I think this is what people screw up with networking. They think that you have to be best friends with someone. Right. I can go down my contact list and there aren't very many people that I can't get in like contact with just yeah. by sending like a message out, you know? Um, and I think that's the best part about it. That's what I learned over the years. I don't have to be buddy, buddy with everyone. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between doing a business transaction and building a relationship with someone mm -hmm. over time. Yep. But I can pick up a phone and if I need to ask something to someone, if I feel like I can add enough value, I can make a phone call and have access to them in the day. That's wild, man. 
So Grant's one of them. Who else do you have access to? Um, so many people. I know I you think, don't want to talk about it, but no, I know I can. <laughs> what I because you you signed NDAs with families. I'm okay with saying this because it's okay. So, so my partner Nordine, Nordine is one of my partners because we'll be. Our plan is, you know, we we have some stuff in Colorado that we build build. We'll be building with the state here over the next couple of years. Um, we got into polo over the years, obviously with my my wife and kiddos. We love that space just because we got into it out here, and it's amazing. Um, we were going back and forth on a couple of different things, right? On some different investments to share some things. And one of the families we ended up sending some stuff to was like the Hermes family. Yeah. You know, Nordine calls me, he goes, hey, yeah, really cool with the family, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, can you send this over a bit? Or there's something that I might like share with them, for example, mm-hmm. right? It's just stuff like this. You go, hey, we're having a birthday this year or hey, next year, you know, when it's like springtime afterwards, hey, come out, we'll spend time in Morocco with each other. It's like, these are the people that do not like being talked about for the reason of, you know what? The privacy space, privacy, because yeah. people think about you differently if you make X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. But one thing that you learn is, is that you get brought into these spaces and you want to keep them intimate and close because you know what? Once you're in, you're in, unless you screw something up. Right. You do right. not want to ruin that. It's a very small circle around the world. Yeah, for sure. How do you like, I guess, like what's some of the tips that like if there was someone listening to this and they're like, hey, I want to get around like higher achievers right like higher net worth people or just people doing big things like how can they get around those people like because you've been there you came from you said yeah nothing from nothing there was very much even start like scaling into this network what you have now like to be in that circle of you know wealthy individuals and just good people in general you know yeah you know that's a really good question um that's I a skill, bro. That is it really skill. is a skill. And I get, you know, I get a lot of requests. I have people that ask me to come in and teach like on those and on those things. And it's a bone you have to grow. Um, you have to get very uncomfortable because there's a lot of times you can't provide any value. You know, a lot of people teach about like, oh, like you got to add value to do X, Y, Z, right? No. When you get in some of these spaces, I'll give you a perfect example. I was coming out of a coffee shop and a new really good friend and someone that we've been able to grow intimately with like our relationship and how we treat each other because we carry like the same interests, but he's a billionaire. Um, I was walking out of a coffee shop. I saw that he had a hat and the hat said a name. I know it's a publicly traded name on the stock market. I knew that I had like some investors or some people that like invested into the space because it was an oil and gas space. And I'm like, I know that name as I was walking out, but I didn't know that particular individual was with that company. I just saw the hat. So I go, hey, I'll just say the name is X. And the guy goes, yeah, like I'm the chairman of like, you know, the board of that company. I go, really? Mm-hmm. Good conversation. His uh, counterpart was with him, complimented like the clothes that I was wearing. We started a conversation. I go, hey, I'm actually, you know, within a space where I have investors like in that space as well too. But outside of that, like, do you live here, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's being open and paying attention to like what someone has on with their clothes. People are uh, more intentional than most think that they are or aren't. Mm -hmm. Like some people look at the mirror before they go out the house because they're actually conscious of like how they're looking. So the clothes people wear when I'm traveling on a plane, I look at watches, um, not even cars a lot anymore is because for some reason, some people don't do like the expensive cars because they simply want to maybe be behind the scenes with that Mm -hmm. stuff. But some people do. Like, cause for me, I was telling you, I go over the next couple years, I'm thinking I want to maybe get into the car space, but maybe not. If I do, if I like it, I'll just sell it if I don't like it. I like fly fishing outdoors, mm-hmm. but like all you guys have cars. So I'm like, should I buy some other cars, <laughs> you know? But so it's just kind of on that angle, but networking is different. It's your intention and what do you want long-term from it? Because at that level, people sense you out like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely can figure out who a person is real quick, especially at that high level. Oh, They're yeah. really quick at reading people. 
even for me now, I'm really quick at reading people. You are too. You're yeah. quick at reading people and you can you can smell That's it. my business. You can smell it and I'm done. Yep, yep. But I mean on the positive side though, I mean other than like being exposed to these people, like what has being around like oh like I I've I know I already asked this earlier, but like how do you think it's changed your life? Oh man, oh man. That's something we've talked about, you know, off camera, but it's changed my life tremendously and how I carry myself, mm -hmm. the conversations that I have, the relationships I keep. I'll give you a perfect example. In my space, you deal with a lot of ego. Mm. Look, I work with mostly men. Like there are some women that are at that level. There's a very small group even within that group. So for me, like when I walk out of the house, there's a reason why I wear the certain clothes that I wear because I'm representing a class of people, not just myself, right? not just black people. What about the wealthy people around the world? What about my friends? What about my wife? Like when I walk out of the house, it's I'm a direct representation and reflection of those people. You know, I'm the front runner. I'm who's seen like publicly with some of this stuff. And so for me, it's changed my outlook a lot on like kind of my goals and what do I want long term. But I think about like my grandkids, grandkids and you know, the videos that I'm gonna leave behind and safes and stuff like that with lawyers. It makes me think about the type of transactions I do. I think about my businesses differently now is because when you're in businesses and I'm blessed enough now to be in that space, but when you can send out quotes for, you know, eight and nine figures, you might not win all of them, but you're in that space. Right. And so it changed the way I think and how I do things nowadays. Because when I was in my 20s, I was just hustling, gunning it, trying to get any type of like money in a door, right? But now, I'm okay with losing certain money because you can work on a deal for 12 to 18 months and it's a check that matters for the next five years. I do want to touch bases on the, the whole like being social thing. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about that because I know for me how important it is to be around, you know, positive individuals. Yes. Because us humans, we, we always over-exaggerate our problems, right? Mm -hmm. We always think they're bigger than they're than that they actually are. Absolutely. And it's cool like having someone like you around me, positive, and I can talk to you and you can check me. You can be like, hey, like, bro, your problems are really not even It's an earned relationship. You exactly. earn that, you know. So like, I think that's like one of the biggest thing for me is like just having positive people around you is just cause your problems really isn't that big as you think they are. No, like absolutely not man but when you're younger like when i was in my 20s i thought a lot of stuff was like the end of the world yeah um but it's really not a lot of the times if it's financial i've always learned that you can always dig out of a financial hole you know i've you know i have companies when i was telling you about coding like we were doing millions right but we weren't keeping any of the money and you're like when do you get the chance to like keep some of this stuff right mm -hmm. and outside of that when you talk about like problems one big thing for me was like books and so during that period of time, I had one of my best friends, actually, he was a big reader because I was dyslexic, you know, with, with special, it was really bad with numbers. And, you know, I did better with, a little bit better with reading. And then after a period of time, it just, you know, you're able to kind of work it out. It still comes back here and there. I don't think it's something that ever leaves you forever, but it's something that you can get better at. And I've heard, I've learned from other entrepreneurs that were like dyslexic as well, too. And so for me, books became tremendous. It would take me a longer time to read. Yeah. But like, that was a big thing for me. My partner and James introduced me to like, hey man, you gotta read. Man, I'm putting down between four and six books a month. Yeah. Or some, some people were reading more, but for me, like I was just trying to get a book a weekend. You know, like yeah. that's all I would do. I went for, I, there was a period of time in my life in my twenties. I went two years without having a TV in my home. You know, 
I would still go out, party, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. you know, but I would just, I've read a lot. Mm -hmm. That was a big foundation for me on like my thought process and dealing with like problems or things that come up with life. And, you know, for me, I'm a little bit extreme because I disassociate a lot of stuff because of how I grew up. And my wife, um, she's on me about that and make sure that I'm continuously finding different ways to connect emotionally with people because I'm not good with that. Um, empathy is not my, you know, bone yeah. that grew from a child, but I do better because the books I've read and I learned how to listen to people a little bit more because like your problems might be different from mine, but they're big for you. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I want to make sure I do my best to removing ego from that because look, like I've in this space, you deal with making money, but you also do with losing money as well, too. Mm -hmm. You have high emotional swings and low emotional swings. And if you can't handle that, you can't be in the game. True. It's very true. What has like what one book that's changed your life? The um the first book that comes to my mind is going to be a book my wife gave to me a couple of years ago as a gift because he's my favorite author, Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Blink. I love that as because it's about like snap decisions. And when you're going through life, a lot of times we deal with like a lot of decisions, especially as entrepreneurs, like you get this. All we deal with is putting out problems and creating more of them so we can put them out. That's how you make money. Like mm -hmm. that's literally like it. You don't go looking for problems, but when you're building businesses and ask people, you're going to have issues, right? You have to get good with decision making, make your decision and move on. And sometimes you have to learn to either follow that gut feeling or get fast at making your decisions, because if you let things linger, a lot of times it never works out when you linger with decision making. Mm -hmm. That book right there. I love that book. I, re I recommend that book to clients of mine. Um, it's something that I enjoy. I can still go back and like reference to it in a couple areas. And there's quotes and things throughout the book and stories that will be with me forever. Yeah. What's your first book that you read? You uh, my first book that I read, um, actually, you know, what? I remember it's a book by Benjamin Zander. Um, my orchestra teacher gave it, to, man, that was, I was probably in a uh, ninth grade, uh, the art of possibility. Mm, gotcha. Okay. The art of possibility. Okay. That was, that was dead. Damn. What was that one about? Um, the art of boss, the art of possibility was pretty interesting. Literally off of the title. There are some really good stories in there. I think that book was really good for me because it helped me a bit with my imagination and also my decision making as well, too, about like we can do so much in our lives, man, but we get in our own way. Mm. We have to do better. We're just moving forward. Right. And you had mentioned earlier you're writing a book yourself, too, then. Yes. Um, <laughs> definitely won't talk about that here, but I am. I've been working for that for some time. There's some things that I want to kind of get off my plate to wrap that up is because some of those stories are going to go in there. Um, one of the. I think I'm going to call it the billion dollar Rolodex because oh, okay. a Rolodex over a period of time is something that most people, these kids today don't know what a Rolodex is, mm -hmm. but like that's my contact books and yeah. what that looked like through the years, who I've met, why I met them, where was I at and how the heck did I get to that place? Yeah. All those things and the stories in betweens and importance behind it. Um, and I, you know, I'm obviously going to do like a crowdsourcing piece and figure out what the best title is going to be for that. But, it's definitely going to be about the Rolodex and what happened over the past couple years while building it. Dang. Well, congrats. I can't wait for that to come out. I'll yeah, me too, one. man. Yeah. Send me, me your copy, bro, before you I, I for sure will. <laughs> I definitely will send that to you. Well, um, in the next, I mean, in just one minute, what advice do you think you would give to new entrepreneurs that's just barely getting in the game? You know, like, what's some wisdom that you can tell your new entrepreneurs, like, just getting in the game? It's like, okay, like, I want to do this. Like, I think this is a great place to wrap up. And mm -hmm. new entrepreneurs in today's world, most people are short sighted. Like, most of the people that I meet with, the young individuals that I connect with, or people that reach out because of Instagram, like, all that stuff, whatever, 
Um, a lot of it is extremely short, short-sighted. If you don't have a long-term game in today's world, you're not going to make it. It's too hard. <laughs> There's too much competition. Everybody has access to like a phone, like, you know, it's, there's so much of this today, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a long-term mindset, most people aren't gonna make it, man. So it's a very simple trait to have. Like, if you're gonna do it, think about it long-term, no matter what comes or the things that are thrown at you, you have to stick with it. It seems like such a simple thing to kind of think about just as an entrepreneur. What about Benjamin? What money, Benjamin? What about finances? How to build? All that stuff is easy. Mm -hmm. Once you get that stuff figured out, it just depends how big you want to build it. But if you don't have the right mindset on thinking long term, you will get chewed out in today's world. Mm. Yeah, I heard this one saying it was like poor people plan for today, average person plans for the month, your millionaires plan for the year, but your billionaires plan. For, uh, what was the other one? For legacy. Legacy, man. For legacy. Yeah, it's legacy. They do the they do the legacy piece and they do the um, uh, succession. Mm. And that's what I work with with them on. That's those are the things that I learned that I go. It's so true to exactly everything that you said, and it's it's long term thinking. So you you choose your heart. I know what mine is. I just think long term. No matter how many losses I take or I've lost money before, I don't care. Like that's just a part of the game. It comes with it. Yeah. Well, where can people find you on Instagram, TikTok? Uh, definitely not TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I won't find you there then. No, definitely won't find me on TikTok. You probably find some of my companies on TikTok. <laughs> but um, for me personally, man, if somebody's gonna reach out to me, even if I or someone else does, it's probably gonna be on LinkedIn. First or last name, Benjamin Dinkins. Same thing with Instagram. Even if I don't get to you, somebody will. How is the LinkedIn? I mean, not to like keep the podcast going, but what? I'm not big on LinkedIn. Oh. Like, what's that space look like? So for me, I don't really utilize LinkedIn anymore. Mm. Um, for a lot of people, I know like, so Shay, she's probably the number one marketer on LinkedIn like over the years. And I've known her for a long time, actually. It was great for a period of time, but it's, it's become saturated. Mm. Um, a lot of people use it as a business card. Right. So in, uh, I don't have much on my LinkedIn. There's probably maybe 3,000 people that follow me on there. I'm not very active at all. Okay. Um, okay. But what happens is um, my messages used to get filtered through, or there are certain people that a lot of these conferences and stuff like that, that you either go to some of these private events, a lot of the guys like in my space use LinkedIn. Mm. It's different from, you know, Instagram. It's more quote unquote business focused, but um, it's it's a cool platform. I don't do much with it anymore. Okay. It's just a landing platform. I just didn't know if it was like the new platform to go on or. I can't answer that because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Probably working great for certain people. There's some marketing companies on there that use that for leverage or to sell products or to deal with, you know, connecting with people. I don't. Yeah. It, now, like if I can, I probably have access to someone that can get your number or if you don't have my number, you don't need it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I appreciate you for coming on. Man, thank you for having me, brother. I know your time is valuable. Benjamin was like, man, you cost me money. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. You know that. <laughs> Same thing for you. You'd probably be flipping a home right now. You, you humble <laughs> son of a gun. This guy does 15 through 20 homes a month, so you do it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, thank you, brother. I, I, I'm, I'm really inspired by what, what you're doing, even oh, though I gosh. still don't have an idea what the hell are you doing? Good. It's just a whole nother, you know, field that I just don't, I don't know much about. Right. And I don't know very much about your world. That real estate's not my game. Yeah. That's capital or I'll raise capital of certain individuals to do a transaction. But outside of that, I don't care what your cap rate or X was, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're good at it. 
You are too with your stuff. That's man. why we're here, man. Thank you, brother. Nothing but love, big dog. Hi, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Trying to better my health, but all my life, they've been trying to keep me down. All this time, never thought I'd make it out. No, 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 all my life.